time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hear ye, hear ye, the Colts in session, the Colts in session. Now, here come the judge, here come the judge. Here come the judge, here come the judge, here come the judge. Stop eating that fudge, cause here come the judge. Don't nobody budge, cause here come the judge. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue getting uh, to know some of the candidates for uh, various positions um, in the August primary, and uh, we've been talking to candidates for state house and Congress, and we even talked to a presidential candidate from the Libertarian Party, but we're talking with uh, a judge. He's been on the show several times, but not always about elections. Sometimes it's about the student uh, of the year. And he, anyway, he uh, he is a uh, district judge who is uh, moving uh, on to uh, circuit court, and we're going to find out what that's all about with Judge Herman Marable, who joins me by phone. Judge, it's great to talk with you again. It is uh, great to be with you, Tom. Uh, it's, it's been a little while. I think you're right. The last time I was here, uh, we had uh, one of my students of the year on the program, and and we've done that a few times, and uh, and of course uh, I've run into you at various uh, events and and things. But um, now, tell me, one of the things that I think confuses people is the different kinds of courts there are. 
mm-hmm. from federal court to circuit court to district court and and uh, of course the district court has recently uh, been combined did that um, combining of the 67th and 68th district court have anything to do with your decision to move over to the circuit court and run for this seat? Uh, no, actually not, uh, Tom. I have been a district judge for 20 years, and uh, I really do enjoy the job. Um, you know, it's a, it's a perfectly uh, fine job, and I enjoy serving the citizens of my hometown. I was born and raised here in Flint and lived here all my life. Um, but there are a couple of uh, reasons why I'm running for circuit court. Uh, first and foremost, as I said, I have been on the bench now for 20 years. So I have a lot of uh, experience, certainly more than any of the candidates that are seeking this position. And um, I guess the second reason is that uh, presently there are no judges from the city of Flint, no judges who make their home in the city of Flint that are uh, on the circuit court presently. And uh, I think that uh, the people of Flint certainly uh, deserve to be represented. Uh, Flint is approximately 25% of Genesee County's population. And uh, so I think that there definitely needs to be a judge from Flint. And like I said, this is probably the first time, uh, certainly in living memory, that that was the case. Is is there, um, well, let me, let me come at this a different way, Judge. Um, what... Uh, really is the difference between the two courts will the kind of cases you hear be the same are they are there different things that come before the different courts sure sure uh district court has uh you know is a lower court than circuit court uh district court we have jurisdiction over misdemeanors uh and on felony cases, they originate in district court. We sign the warrants that start a felony case. We have the preliminary examination to see if there's enough evidence to bind it over for trial. And if it is bound over to trial, it's bound over to circuit court. So they would hear an actual felony trial. On the civil side, uh, in district court, we do landlord-tenant. Uh, we do civil cases under 25000 uh, circuit does civil cases over 25,000. We do small claims. Um, and there are some other assorted civil matters that we do um, that don't come up very often, uh, like car abandonment cases. That's, that's kind of an interesting one. Um, but district courts are uh, a creation of the, uh, the legislature and are courts of limited jurisdiction. Circuit court, as I said, is a higher court. Uh, the jurisdiction is higher. And uh, circuit judges are hearing cases from all over the county. The district courts feed into circuit court, as I indicated. Uh, if somebody appeals a decision from district court, it goes to circuit court. So, 
there, if that gives you some idea. Yeah, uh, there there have been some, um, uh, I don't know, interesting developments with technology and the courts, uh, especially recently uh, during this um coronavirus pandemic the the covid-19 courts were closed for a while except for certain kinds of cases and those were done by video and i remember a time when uh, about all you could do was have an artist in a courtroom to draw a sketch of the people sure. that were there i'm i'm old enough to remember those days um, oh me too me too tom I, um judge how are the um how is technology impacting the courts, and are we are, are there things that we've been doing because of COVID nineteen that are going to find their way into the courts permanently? You know, um, I think that that is a distinct possibility. Now, we've been the courts have basically been closed for you know three months or a hundred days, we'll say, approximately, and. Even now, we are open uh, with a limited capacity. Um, we are limited in terms of how many people can be in the courtroom at a time. We are limited in terms of uh, who can be in the courthouse. In other words, as it stands right now, um, you can only uh, be in the courthouse if you have a case. If you don't have a case, uh, you can't be there. You'd have to watch us on a YouTube uh, channel or some sort of live. I think that's that's how they're doing it is on YouTube for the most part. Um, You have to wear a face mask uh, when you come into the courthouse now. You have to socially distance. But um, technology, that's that's a very good topic that you brought up. I think that in some instances, um, doing certain kinds of proceedings by Zoom probably works eh, fairly well. If you're doing an arraignment, a criminal arraignment, Zoom is probably okay. If you're doing um, maybe a brief pretrial, Zoom probably works very well. But if we're talking about having a trial, or a jury trial, you really you really can't do it that way. You have to have uh, people present. Um, and the Michigan court system, we're still sorting out how we're going to do jury trials. We're still sorting out how we're going to handle some of the other proceedings. Um, so this is um, some of the things probably will go into the future. Um, and all of this, of course, uh, relies upon whether or not we can do the phased opening that we are trying to do right now. Because, you know, if there are outbreaks of uh, COVID-19 or if there's a spike in this county, you know, there's a, a distinct possibility that we may close again until things settle down. So it's a very... Um, interesting time it's 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 a it's a sad situation um but uh you know everybody uh, the whole country the whole society the whole world is going through this 
and 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 other things uh, too uh, to add uh, as if a pandemic wasn't uh, uh, enough to shake things up. We've got all of the uh, Black Lives Matter protests in the wake of the George Floyd killing, and and then there's the uh, Breonna Taylor case, which involved a no-knock subpoena being served at the wrong address and yeah, down in Kentucky. Yeah, and the fatal shooting of uh, Breonna Taylor. And it's it's made me curious, and I've been asking uh, lawyers that are running for judge and um, other candidates uh, about this whole notion of no-knock uh, entry. Is is that... Now, I, I think I heard that, that that's not legal in Michigan. A judge cannot issue a no-knock warrant um is that true i i i would say that it can be done and uh, it has been done um but i think in light of uh some of the things that are going on i think that um I think judges and i think the the system in general is taking uh another look at that I think too, we're, you know, I think that's having to be reexamined. I mean, I mean, the argument is that the the element of surprise is necessary to keep the law enforcement personnel safe in case uh, uh, suspects are armed. Um, another possibility is that evidence can be destroyed without the uh, element of surprise. But it, it just seems like there's a case to be made that the the few seconds it would take to announce yourself and kick the door in wouldn't make that much difference and you know i there is that argument and i i certainly have had lawyers uh indicate uh and i've heard testimony where it was knock knock bang and the door went open so you know um I think the final chapters have not been written on how that's going to be handled. How much discretion do judges uh, have when um, deciding a, a case, and and how much are they um, obligated to follow precedent? Well. I would say this, Tom. We are we are obligated to follow precedent, but uh, you know we also have to uh, evaluate uh, the arguments that are made. And uh, attorneys are also obligated to to follow precedent, but they're also obligated to, if the situation calls, make a good faith argument. Or why precedent? Uh, why a precedent should be overturned? So um, it it really lies in um, whether or not a particular case can be distinguished from what the precedent is. I mean, you know, that will come into into play often. More with Judge Herman Marable straight ahead. Everybody's doing 
it on brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. In just a little while, you folks are going to have the pleasure not only hearing the songs of the star of the program and all, but you're also going to have the pleasure of hearing and watching and seeing in person the gentlemen and ladies who have been supplying the fine mu- music behind the curtain this evening. It's a wonderful orchestra. I love to hear them play. But and while you would possibly never even consider counting how many piece- pieces there are in the band, it so happens there are about, I think, 26, 27 members of the orchestra, the stage orchestra here. The only thing is they used to play in Hollywood. And when they were there in Hollywood, California, there were a 65-piece orchestra. And when they were hired by the International Hotel to come here and play, they all got on a a bus, all 65 of them with their instruments and everything, and headed out for Las Vegas. The only thing was, when they crossed the Nevada state line, they had fruit inspection, and this is all slack. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner, watching all the Fords go by. Standing on the corner, giving all the Fords the eye. Look at it go, it's the Thunderbirds kissing cousin. Get in a Ford, get Ford a try. So don't be standing on the corner, what? 
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Judge Herman Marable straight ahead. And and back to the uh, to the idea of judicial discretion. Um, you know, we read about mandatory sentencing, and then we see these stories of judges around the country who've come up with creative alternatives to the recommended sentences for particular uh, kinds of crimes, depending on the circumstance. And I know these things are all case-by-case, Judge, but um, what about that discretion? Um, Can judges look for ways other than sending people to jail? Well, I think first and foremost, especially when you're talking about circuit court, judges uh, are obligated to uh, look at the uh, sentencing guidelines. And uh, beyond that, you know, there may be reasons to depart from those guidelines, either for uh, a stronger sentence or to to go under the guidelines, as they say. Um, But, you know, Tom, judges are going to disagree, and that's what we have an appellate court system for. That's why, you know, we have a Michigan Court of Appeals. That's why we have a Michigan Supreme Court. Uh, law clearly is something that uh, is evolving all all of the time. So, well, there've been the various one one judge's discretion uh, may may wind up becoming the law of the land. The, um, the the recent protests I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, um, in the wake of those, we're hearing calls for defunding the police, and that means different things to different people. Um, for most for most people, I think we agree that what they're talking about is diverting at least some resources to areas that the police are being called to respond to. That maybe there are professionals that can handle it better or differently uh, with regard to, say, homelessness or uh, drug overdoses and uh, mental health-related things. But I think um, police are taking uh, a lot of the heat um, for how those things are handled when the courts and and the rest of the criminal justice system are just as... um, as involved um, with determining what happens to somebody who gets brought in because they're homeless or or have a mental health issue of some kind, and a lot of people are saying that there are a lot of uh, people in in prison who really don't belong there. They need to be somewhere else. Can judges well, make a difference on that? Or I mean, what comes first, well, the the decision I, I, I or would, the programs? I tell you what, I would say. Um, first of all, you know, some of the policy decisions uh, as it applies to, you know, whether or not we're going to, uh, how, how a city's budget is going to be allocated for police or alternative services like you've referenced, you know, that's something that um, is vested in the powers of the legislative and executive branches. I mean, they 
set those budgets, they set those priorities. And really, you know, courts do not generally get involved in in figuring those sorts of things out. Now, on the other hand, I will say that we certainly in Michigan and certainly in Genesee County have utilized specialty courts uh, quite a bit. We have uh, a drug court, for example. We have a veterans court. There's a baby court. Uh, you know, those are just some of the examples of the specialty courts that we have that are generally designed, at least from the judicial standpoint, to um, offer services uh, to people who fit in those particular categories or you know, that, that apply to those courts that uh, hopefully give them an opportunity to have a second chance or to do things to improve their, their lives. I mean, certainly if you were involved in a drug court program and you go to treatment and get cleaned up and, you know, there's a big incentive that, you know, the case uh, is going to be dismissed. Um, those are things, of course, that uh, courts have done in Michigan, and that's something that's been encouraged. And, and, I, and I actually think that uh, specialty courts uh, can do, do a lot of good. We just don't have a lot of funding sometimes for them. But understand, those are things that happen after somebody gets in the system, you know, after an arrest is made. That's you know, uh, and decisions about uh, who goes to specialty courts uh, often lies in the uh, hands of the prosecutor. So, um, I, I I think we do you know do some things, but um, it's not something that is going to fall completely on the courts. You know, you mentioned the uh, the legislative and, and executive branches of government, and it just seems like an awful lot of the time um, we're seeing, I mean, the judicial branch is supposed to settle disputes between the other branches, but um, it's it's all part of the checks and balances, but it seems like it's happening more and more. Uh, what do you think when judges tell... Uh, legislators and uh, administrators, you know, to, to go back to work and solve these things themselves instead of uh, trying to dodge the politics by by uh, getting the courts to decide. You said, what do I think if, I, I don't think I heard something in your question. You said, what do I think about Do you think uh, it's appropriate for judges to, uh, to tell the... Um, legislators and, and administrators to, to go back to work and, and not expect the uh, the courts to solve their political problems? Well, um, you know... I mean, does it seem excessive to you, Judge, that these cases come up, or is that just well, you, you understand, part of the way it works? Well, you understand, judges don't get to choose what cases are going to, going to come in front of them. So... I guess what I would have to, to say is is this. Um, you know, I, I know that certainly judges make attempts to uh, mediate disputes if there's a case that, that comes 
in, in front of them. And there are some situations that are purely political questions where courts have declined to, to make a decision if it's a purely uh, political question. Um, but, you know, we have, um, I guess I would say that we have, uh, it's not that we don't have enough work to do, uh, but you know, we have a check it. We have a check and balance system, and uh, you know, we're there. We're there to do our part. I just wonder if you would be one of those judges that says, you know, don't bring it to court if it's just for political cover. Well, I'm, you know, I'll say this, Tom. Now, and and maybe. Some of your listeners are not aware of this, I'm, and I'm sure you are. You know, uh, judges and candidates running for judge are governed by the Michigan Code of Judicial Conduct. And, you know, we're not really allowed to say uh, during a, a judicial campaign, you know, how we would rule in a particular situation. Um, we're just barred, really, from, from doing that. So... Um, Knowing that uh, even on the local level, we've had uh, disputes between the legislative branch and the uh, executive branch, even if it's in a local city government or township government or what have you. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, there, I, I can't really tell you uh, it, how I would rule in a particular situation. You know, that's just something that we're just not allowed to really talk about. And how do you feel about the... Um, were, were you in favor of the uh, the switch to combine the, the two district courts, or was that an administrative thing that, that uh, few people got to weigh in on? Well... I was not uh, in favor of the consolidation um, at the time. Um, I think that um, in terms of, you know, it, it was uh, touted as a way uh, to save money. And it was uh, spoken in terms of, uh, you know, the city of Flint had financial emergencies going, uh, you know, financial problems. And there was some talk that it was you know the city of Flint could not support the district court. Um, I'm not sure, you know. I, I guess I'm still waiting to see if uh, there's been all this money saved uh, through the consolidation. Um, probably, you know, money can be saved or could be saved if we don't have all of the different courthouses around the county, but. You know, the fact of the matter is um, the courts are consolidated and uh, we do our best, I think, to, to work together to, uh, to make it work. It's now uh, been three or four years, and I, and I think that um, we've at least had some opportunity to um, 
to, you know, work it out. So it is what it is. You mentioned uh, judicial candidates uh, a moment ago, and it and it got me thinking. And I've been asking uh, people to consider this. You know, most most people don't understand very much how the the courts are divvied up and 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 how they work, but. Um, a lot of federal uh, judges are appointed and appointed for life and then there are a number of uh, benches where um, the judges are elected um, do you have what do you, what do you think the pros and cons are of appointment versus election do you think uh, uh, would you rather see all judges uh, be elected well you know, it's a, it's we're talking the, what allows federal judges to be appointed for life is it's in the Constitution. Article three judges uh, have a lifetime appointment, and you have to be impeached if you want to uh, remove them from office. Um, now, uh, you know the circuit court, the district court, Michigan Court of Appeals. You know, the, this is a state court system, and um, there are some states where. Even in state courts, they make appointments. There are other states where um, they make appointments, and, of course, um, judges have to stand for a retention election where they basically run against themselves. Thumbs up, thumbs down, the voters get to decide. We elect judges. I think it is a uh, good system. We do... Uh, the governor appoints judges when there is a vacancy, and then that particular judge has to run in the next uh, scheduled uh, general election for the right to serve out that term uh, and, and to try to hang on that onto that seat. So um, I personally think it's important that judges um, – have a connection to the community, and I think that uh, if you have to face the voters uh, every six years, I think that that helps you to make sure that you're connected to the community. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, Tom, you know, I've been elected four times, and the way I view the election in some regards, the, the voters are my bosses in in a lot of ways. So, in my seeking a seat on the circuit court, I'm I'm basically asking my bosses uh, for a promotion, in in a sense. You know, there's a, a funny saying about uh, Supreme Court, uh, federal Supreme Court decisions that if the court decides uh, in your favor, they're interpreting the Constitution, but if they decide against you, they're being an activist court. Um, do you do you think judges uh, that there is room for a certain amount of activism by judges, or are they really bound by the phrase that I that I hear so often of being rule of law judges? Well, you know, as I as I said, Tom, um, judges are supposed to follow precedent. But obviously, precedent changes. I mean, 
You know, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson was the law of the land at one point. Uh, we have Brown versus Board. It's not the law. Uh, Plessy is not, was not the law of the law, land. It was overturned. Um, as I said, lawyers have an obligation to uh, make a good faith argument uh, on behalf of their clients. And if they have a good faith argument as to why uh, a particular precedent should be overturned or why a particular situation is distinguished from a particular precedent, uh, those are arguments to be made and uh, those are decisions to be made by, by judges. And I mean, like I said, the law is is an evolving um, animal. It, it evolves, it changes over time. You've run in several uh, campaigns for judge in the past. Um, is, is this campaign cycle, because of COVID-19, um, a, a tougher race to run well i think it is tom i mean certainly um you don't have as many opportunities uh to meet and deal with uh the voters uh face to face so that does make it difficult uh, there aren't as many events going on um where you would have some of those opportunities traditionally. I mean, Fourth uh, of July uh, events have been canceled. Uh, other uh, holiday events, I think Memorial Day parades got canceled. So it, it no, is festivals more all summer long. Right, festivals right, are falling by the wayside. Absolutely, and uh, you know. Uh, when you are limited to gatherings of uh, 10 people or 50 people, it obviously uh, limits your ability to uh, talk to voters uh, face-to-face. And, and you and, can't uh, really make it up by going door-to-door either. <laughs> well, you know, um, I think that, uh, let, me, let me put it this way. I, I think that... Uh, you know, we're still supposed to be practicing some level of social distancing. I think that's probably best at this point. But yeah, it makes it it's a it's a different world. And I and you know, like I said, Tom, it it, it crosses uh all aspects of uh society. It really does. And um it is just uh unfortunate that uh we are in this situation. Um but you know, most of us, uh, practically none of us in living memory remember, you know, a pre- the previous pandemic uh, in the last century. So um, I guess it's our time, and uh, we'll get through this. And and for voters who are uh, trying to figure out what to do, how can they uh, best get to know um, you if they don't already? Um how, how can they vet the candidates and, and uh, make sense out of, of voting uh, during this? Well, you know, I, I certainly have a, a website, uh, judgemarable.net, um, and I, I would imagine that uh, other candidates are using Facebook, uh, social media, and I 
anticipate we will be doing some of that as well. But, you know, Tom, something that has uh, been around for a long, long time, uh, like the voter guides that the League of Women Voters compiles uh, every year. I mean, they're online. So if people are able to go online, um, they can see that. Well, Judge, we're we're just about out of time, but I, I want to say thanks. It's it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and um, and I appreciate you spending this time with me. Well, I hope you'll I uh, hope you'll have uh, me back at some point. Well, are you going to continue with uh, with your um, Student of the Year program? Oh, yeah, certainly. If we if we uh, move over to Circuit Court, the the program will go. Uh, with me, most certainly. Um, that has been uh, an absolute uh, delight and joy. And for for a judge, you know, who has to do certain things in the courtroom, it certainly uh, lets the community know uh, what my uh, goals are and what my vision is for the young people. Because really, you know, if we want to have a better society, you have to reach uh, the young people uh, to have make sure that they're on the right track. And we've been able to do that, uh, Tom. We've had 120 students of the uh, month. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, a couple of them have been on the have been on the ballot this year, as a matter of fact, running for uh, political office. So that must be uh, fun to see. Oh, it is. One is one is on the ballot running for uh, county commissioner. Uh, are you inter- interviewing uh, county commissioner candidates? I I have, but only in the uh, the races that are contested in the primary at this point. Well, like then you probably uh, you've probably interviewed people in the fourth. Uh, I think it's the fourth district. Uh, so um, it. Uh, it's been a joy to, to watch uh, some of these uh, young people grow up and uh, move into full participating members of the society. Well, again, Judge, I thank you, and I look forward to the next time we chat. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Judge Herman Marable. He has uh, decided to move from his seat in on the uh, district court and run for circuit court, and he... Uh, is um, facing a challenge in the August primary. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hear ye! Hear ye! The Colts in session. The Colts in session. Now, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. 
Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman's sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name this was This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I entered the service after I graduated high school because the dropouts already had the jobs. And uh, I came out of the service and thank you. I came out of the service and I entered Temple University, 1960, physical education major. I hear you laughing. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people laugh at physical education. Ah oh, ha, phys ed, you're dumb, you know. Well, anyway, uh, I was pretty smart, and uh, I, I got this girlfriend. I, I met this girl, very brilliant girl. I had uh, an IQ of about 300. Thousand, 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 300,000 IQ. Got a, a philosophy major, man. Oh, she was fantastic. Used to walk around the house saying, why is there air? And I used to look at it. Any phys ed major knows why there's air. You know? There's air to blow up volleyballs, blow up basketballs. You, know? you guys called me dumb for crying out loud. Walking around asking why there's air. But anyway, that's the thing to do when you're a freshman. Get yourself a brilliant girl to take care of you. She used to dress up like me and take my exams and everything. It's really beautiful. I bought a 1942 Dodge. For $75, my whole life savings from the service. And uh, I used to drive from her house. I lived in Philadelphia. I used to drive to Trenton, 40-mile drive. And uh, it was during the wintertime. And when I bought the car, it had four, four bolt-headed tires. So I went out, and with the last couple of dollars I had, I bought a snow tire. And I put it on the right rear. And about 75 sandbags, you know, for traction. In case I get into some snow or ice or something, you know. Just dig right in on that right side. And a car would raise up on that one wheel. And I wrote Captain America on the side. Because it was a beautiful car, man. It wouldn't go over 50. You go 51 and say, hey, cut it out. It's the kind of car I had, man. Beautiful. And... Uh, I used to drive to her house and uh, get to her house around four in the afternoon. And her parents, uh, I think her parents wanted to get rid of her because as soon as I get there, they go upstairs, you know, and take the dog with them too, you know. <laughs> they had one of these little dogs. They were very wealthy people. They had one of these little dogs in a house, about a 37,000 room house. And they had a dog was as big as my fist, you know, and, uh, for protection. You know, I said, well, people are kooky, man. Now, in Greenwich Village, I used to live in Greenwich Village, a guy with a one-room apartment and, and he had to use somebody else's bathroom would have a dog that's as big as a Mack truck. You know, like the dog would command him, I must go. You know? and he had to take the dog out, man. He couldn't spank it, you know. He hit that dog, the dog would eat him alive, you know. Hey, listen, that's where I got, we got our Doberman from an old used master that they ate up. <laughs> and these people with this big house got this dog so small. You know, what, what protection is it? You put your leg through, through the window. The, I know what it'll do. It'll pee all over the place. That's, a, that's all they have. 
never do, man. You, you come into anybody's house and say, rah, I'm one of those dogs. They poop all over everybody. Man. I guess maybe that's the safety device, right? You feel something, hey, somebody's in the house. My legs are. Ridiculous. Well, anyhow, I used to sit there and uh, we would do about three minutes worth of homework and then we would cuddle up and start kissing. Oh, we would kiss for 12 hours, man. Just kiss everywhere. Kiss on the sofa, move to the TV set, kiss up on the whatnot shelf, you know, underneath the refrigerator, all over the place. We're just kissing. You kiss so long until the inside of the mouth gets raw, you know, and the lips swell up and you say, listen, I think we better cut it out, all right? But tell you what, first one heals call, all right? So, I get in the old Captain America car, you know, and I'm driving. And the whole time we were kissing, it snowed and the hail fell and everything, and the roads just, whew, the roads were frozen. So I'm driving, and very sleepy, and I get so sleepy that I go into a world of fantasy, you know. I just, I'm really tired. I would like to sleep now. I had another hour and a half drive, and it's ridiculous. And, well, listen, you take a little nap if you want. Are you kidding? Well, look, uh, the road's going straight, and right now I got the car pointed straight. I don't see why I can't take a little nap right now. I better not do it. A leaf blew in front of the car. Oh, I've hit a cow. I, yeah. Oh, I'm driving. And I'll never forget it. I took it up to 50. I was living dangerously, you know. And uh, I went into a bad right skid. Whack! And as soon as I went into the skid, I tried to remember the safe driving manual, you know, to save your life. If you go into a skid, the safe driving manual says, if you go into a skid, turn in the direction of the skid. Which doesn't make sense at all to me, because that's like if a guy throws a left hook at you, you lean into it, you know. <laughs> Forget it, I'm turning left and hitting the brake. What? Wound up going down the road, 50 miles an hour, sideways. Which is a beautiful sight, by the way. You look out your front window and you see things going by like this, you know. And if you want, you just turn right around. You don't have to steer. Just look out the side door. And if you have an accident, you can get out in a hurry, man. It can't hurt you. I love it. They ever build cars like that. And I hit a tree. As soon as I hit the tree, I remembered I'm in trouble because in my glove compartment, I've got 10 old moving violation tickets, which are like savings bonds. The longer you keep them, the greater they mature, you know. And I figure I owe the city about $2 million. I know they're going to throw me in jail for life. So I push the car away from the tree, and I try and move it. And it won't move it at all because the A-frame has fallen out, see? Well, I didn't know what an A-frame was until I took it to a mechanic. And, you know, whoa, your A-frame's falling out. Cost you a million dollars. And that's the labor, you know, that kind of so I'm trying to move, wah, 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 and, it won't, and I'm scared because the cops are gonna catch me. I gotta get out of here somehow, you know. Up comes the safety for all truck driver, gets it out of the car, I didn't even ask him to help me. Starts to put 20 flares around the car. What the hell do you think, this is my birthday or something? <laughs> Have you ever tried to blow out a flare? <laughs> no, I'm sore on the outside and the inside. You know? <laughs> all right, now the beautiful thing are the cops. Here come the and they get out and they look at the thing and the motor's in the front seat trees leaning on a 45 degree angle box all chewed out of it and uh, the tires are all flat and uh, 20 flares around the car and this guy says what happened i said well i was driving along and uh, this tree jumped right out of the forest and bit my car boy 
They'd ask you that. No matter what, you could run over a guy and leave him under the car. And the guy's, all right, what happened? Here? Oh, well, the guy was sleeping and he was cold and I had nothing to cover him up, so I figured I'd use the car, you know? I'm gonna protect him from something. Ridiculous, boy. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Baby's gone. No more for me now. She's gone too far. 
black convertible with a white top down White little rubber running all around Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 